They were still away on the 3rd of September when war was declared. Another thing I hadn't seen coming. I'd been too busy with my football to worry about what was going on in the world outside. To start with, the war didn't seem to matter that much anyway. Not a lot happened. What did the newspapers call it? The phony war, or something. Then suddenly in our house, it wasn't phony at all. Joe made up his mind that he ought to go and join up. He'd be seventeen in a month, and he'd join up as soon as he could. I thought he was joking at first. We all did. But he wasn't joking at all. He was so determined about it, and so sure he was right, too. It was simple, he said. Hitler was evil, just plain evil. He'd invaded Czechoslovakia and Poland. What was to stop him from coming over and invading England if we didn't fight him? Mum said he was far too young to go, so did Ozzy, and I told him that our dad would never have wanted it, how he'd warned me never to go to war. I told him what I believed too, that it could never be right to kill another human being, no matter what. We had our first big blazing argument. He wouldn't listen, not to me, not to anyone. It was his life, he said, and he'd live it or lose it the way he wanted. The argument went on and on. I said terrible things I can't forget. And he said terrible things too, things I can't forget either. About he'd always looked up to me until now. About all I wanted was to play my lousy football and tell with the rest of the world. Didn't come to fisticuffs, but we weren't far off it. In the end, we just stopped speaking to each other. One morning Joe Upton left without telling anyone and the next we heard of him was from a training camp on Salisbury Plain. He wrote Mum a card. He'd be off to France soon, he said, and sent lots of love to all of us. He came home on leave once, but I was away playing football. <laughs> Mum told me he looked really grand in his uniform and that I should be proud of him. Deep down I was too but I just could not bring myself to say it or tell him. I never wrote to him. He never wrote to me. In the dark days of 1940, we listened to all the news broadcasts we could, everyone did. The news from France was worse every day. The army was surrounded and being driven back to Dunkirk. There were thousands and thousands of men on the beaches, all the army we had. And a whole armada of little boats was going over to pick up as many as they could. There were pictures in the newspapers of the soldiers being helped off the ships, wounded, bedraggled, beaten. After that, it looked like invasion was a dead certainty. Then the telegram came. Joe had been killed at Dunkirk. Only Emmy cried. The rest of us just sat there in the kitchen with the clock ticking, Ozzy with his arm round Mum, he drew us all alone with our sadness. I went out after a while and sat in the park on this very same bench, wept like a baby. I joined up the next day, I, I couldn't stay out of it, not now, not any more. The squirrels here are as tame as you like. I've had them right up on the bench with me before now. They don't come for love, just food, I know that.
There's one sitting by my boot right now, but he's not having any of my sausage roll, no matter how much he makes eyes at me. There were squirrels about the day I joined up, chasing each other up the trunk of that oak tree by the park gates. A branch came off that one last winter, smashed the bench below into little pieces. He's washing his nose now. <laughs> I like it when he does that. All right, have a bit of sausage roll. Hey, just a little bit. Greedy little beggar. Chelsea tried to stop me. Mr Knighton told me I had a great future in football and that football would go on somehow, war or no war. But Mum didn't even try to talk me out of it, nor did Ozzie. They understood. I joined the Royal Army Medical Corps. I'll be driving ambulances, working in field hospitals. This way at least I'll be doing something for Joe. That's what I thought. That's what I told myself. So I found myself in khaki and running up hills in full battle order and learning how to march and turn left and turn right and about turn and swing my arms in time with everyone else. I learned to shoot a three oh three rifle and a brain gun and how to bayonet a stuffed dummy. I learned how to polish boots too, army boots this time, not football boots. And then we ran up more hills, lots more, until we completed our basic training. Before they sent me off to war six months later, they'd taught me how to drive an ambulance, how to dress wounds, put splints on broken bones, take temperatures and carry stretches. I never had much time to play football, but I did think of it, and I missed it too. The excitement, the roar of the crowds, all of it. The boys knew who I was, of course, and ribbed me a bit to begin with, but they soon forgot all about it, and so did I. I was Billy again, not Billy the Kid. The football part of my life was over. I tried to put it out of my mind. I'd pick it up again when I left off, when the war was finished and done with. I only had one leave before I was sent overseas, and in a way, I wished I'd never gone home. Joe was a photo on the mantelpiece now, and Mum was tearful every time she looked at me. She's frightened of losing you as well, Ozzy told me just before I left. Emmy gave me her little gold cross to keep me safe, and hugged me as if she'd never let go. I walked away from her, from all of them, and took the train down to Southampton to join the troop ship. We knew we were going to the North African desert, but we didn't know where, not exactly. It was my first time on a ship, and to begin with I hated it. I kept thinking of the submarines lurking under the sea, and I couldn't swim either. But I soon forgot about the submarines. Someone had made a football out of rags and word had got about the ship that I was Billy the Kid from Chelsea. For a few hours every day we'd play football up on deck, a kind of football anyway, and I could forget about where I was and what I was going to. But in the evenings, alone, on deck, with just the sea and the sky, I talked to Joe. I talked to him a lot. I've always talked to Joe ever since, especially when I need him. Mostly when I'm very sad or very happy. 
We landed at Tobruk in pitch darkness and drove the convoy of ambulances off into the desert. We could hear the rumble of the guns, see the old night sky lit up ahead of us. Like a terrific thunderstorm it was, but with no rain. Then the sun came up over the desert, big and red, and we saw what sort of place we'd come to. Nothing but rocks and sand as far as the eye could see, and hundreds of our soldiers streaming past us, retreating back towards Tobruk, on foot, in lorries. We set up our field hospital right beside the road where the wounded were waiting, sitting on the sand in their hundreds. Only a stone's throw away from them, the dead were lying in rows, waiting to be buried. They lay so still. It was my first day of war, and my last, as it turned out. We spent that morning burying the dead. None of us spoke. We just dug and cursed the flies that wouldn't leave us alone. I was sick a good few times, and it wasn't on account of the heat. It was hot by now. Burning hot. Hot enough, someone said, to fry an egg on your helmet. <laughs> more and more wounded were being brought in all the time. The sound of the guns was coming closer all the while now, and then we heard the chatter of machine gun fire. That same evening, we got the order to pull back. We were stretching the wounded into the ambulances when a German armoured column came roaring and clanking towards us out of the desert. They never even bothered to stop. They just waved and rattled on by. The infantry came behind them. There was a bit of shouting, but no shooting. They just rounded us all up and marched us off. No one marched in step now. We didn't swing our arms together either. All that had been for nothing. I was a prisoner of war. <laughs>